coming to share with me some information about uh, some aspects, hidden aspects of conflict in Darfur and in Sudan, and especially about this group of, uh, of women. Um, I, you know, recently I have uh, released uh, this book about hawks and doves um, in Sudan's armed conflict, and uh, uh, these books really come as a, a, as a reflection and outcome of our long-lived experience um, uh, uh, of my engagement with the community of Darfur. I come from Darfur, and uh, during my work, I really engage with the people, and especially with women in rural areas, in mountainous areas. Um, uh, it's almost I have been to every um, uh, uh, um, uh, meter in, in, in Darfur. And uh, I, I understand the many problems uh, with regard to this conflict that is still need research. And I really hope that uh, this book, which is based on uh, field research, uh, is, uh, uh, will contribute to um, you know, making the uh, situation uh, a bit better in Darfur for all Darfur people, for the Sudanese, and for women in particular. So this is the book, as you can see. And, uh, um, and well, starting by conflict in, uh, in Sudan. Uh, it's all about Sudan. It's not about Darfur. Darfur is just like a case in Sudan. So in Sudan, it used to be, um, you know, before 90, 2011, we have this um, map of Sudan, which is a very nice map, and, uh, and we like that map. And, uh, but after 2011, then that is the map of Sudan, that is the Sudan, split into two countries, the North Sudan uh, state or Republic of North Sudan and the state of South Sudan. And this split of Sudan really come as a, as a, as a result of a very violent conflict and very atrocious uh, experience uh, uh, for both the Northerners and the Southerners. And uh, this, the, this war um, and this, or this uh, sad experience of civil war in Sudan and uh, really uh, um, uh, uh, all people of Sudan, they take part in that conflict. And especially people from Darfur. The Darfur people or fighters who take part in that conflict is really, um, uh, you know, beyond expectations. We really don't know exactly the exact numbers of people who take part in that conflict. And uh, 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 so that was a question for me. Why those people, or why Darfur? We know that Darfur is underdeveloped since it has been annexed to Sudan in 1916, you know, by the British colonials. It's just remained as a remote area because it is here, it is the westernmost area of Darfur, uh, of Sudan, and uh, underdeveloped, no development initiatives of any, of any kind, uh, even though the area is a very, uh, has a very fertile soil and it is a source of income for the country, uh, for the whole country because of the animal husbandry and, you know, it is a very rich source of, uh, of, uh, of, of animal uh, uh, GDP of the country. But still it is remote. So most of the people all uh, join um, as fighters in the South Sudan and uh, because of, you know, lack of opportunities that can, you know, um, help them to get uh, any uh, or to earn income. So that is from the superficial side of, of the conflict or the contribution or, you know, the recruitment of Darfur people into uh, uh, the young people, especially into the war. So that was a question for me. So that is 
the conflict in uh, at that level that is a civil war you know between the south and the north but Darfur itself there is another kind of conflict in Darfur and that conflict the recent one is a conflict between um, uh, Darfur insurgency and between the government this conflict uh, the causes of this conflict is not dissimilar to the causes of the conflict between that led to the separation of Sudan into two states. It's just, it's the, from a structural point of view, it's just the same. That people think that the central government, the approach to domestic violence, uh, the domestic uh, politics uh, uh, and policies uh, adopted by the central government, is not fair with regard to distribution of wealth and resources. And you know, that is the main reason that led to the split of Sudan, and that is the main reason that also instigated the southern Sudanese at independence time in 1955, you know, to go and to take arms against the government. So the government now is also replicating the same in Darfur, and that's why Darfur, some Darfur intellectuals, they approach the government to redress this kind of imbalances of power, share and distribution of resources. But the government uh, denied the allegations of this group, uh, uh, which was really peaceful activists, and then they turned into uh, uh, force them to turn into uh, 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 rebel groups. So that was one of this other side of the conflict. The government, so that war between the government and those uh, uh, Darfur insurgencies, which started in 2003, it has resulted in millions of people because it was very atrocious and the government was very violent in, you know, uh, 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 in uh, uh, trying, you know, to put down those people. Uh, and to destroy them and to uh, get rid of the insurgencies because they don't want a similar experience uh, uh, of, uh, that happened uh, in South Sudan to be replicated by the Darfuris. So they, was very, they were very aggressive. And that aggression led to displacement of millions of, Sudan, of Darfuris inside and outside, uh, you know, in, uh, as refugees uh, across borders. And atrocities committed against, uh, against uh, all people, especially women and children, and uh, uh, mass rape and sexual violence, and all this kind that in the end, you know, led to the indictment of uh, uh, the President al-Bashir uh, uh, by the ICC. Uh, so that is one side of the conflict. But that is not the only conflict that is going on in Darfur. Uh, the conflict that, that has been going on for decades, actually since um, 19, late 1960s, is the conflict that is in, uh, 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 between tribes and ethnic groups. Uh, Darfur, just like any other African uh, setting um, and other you know, regions in Sudan or the community in Sudan, it is divided uh, or it is organized on tribal basis. And ethnic and ethnic basis. So, an ethnic group in Sudan is a group. Is a, an ethnic group. Uh, there are two main ethnic groups. Uh, this ethnic group is um, uh, uh, okay. So, just let me talk about the conflict. So, the conflict in Darfur, as I said, that there is another uh, 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 state of conflict, which is a conflict between tribes and ethnic groups. And a group of tribe they form an ethnic group. So there are two main ethnic groups in Darfur, they, uh, and as also in Sudan, the Africans and the Arab group. So these Africans and Arab groups, uh, they get into conflict with each other. And, but this conflict used to be resolved uh, uh, before um, uh, Darfur became part of Sudan in 1916. But uh, 
um, since therefore become annexed, and, and as I said, it's become remote, and this considered as a marginalized uh, um, uh, by the ruling elites in uh, in the center of the Sudan, then conflict started, you know, to develop into a very uh, wide scale. And if we look at the conflict in, in Darfur at that period, then we can see, um, so if you look at um, the escalation of conflict from 1924, that is, you know, after Darfur become annexed, because uh, during the Sultanate, the, there is conflict, but it's not at that scale. But from 1924 up to 2009, we can see the increase of conflict. It's really increasing every decade. And starting from two conflicts, four, 13, 14, and 48. So if we look at the escalation of conflict from 2000 to 2009, which is 49, 48 conflict, this, this, actually this is not the number of conflict. This is just indication of the number of conflicts that have been uh, addressed through conflict uh, resolution or re reconciliation conferences. So we can see that what is really actually what is happening and therefore that has led to this escalation of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of uh, conflict, armed conflict and violence between this group and uh, 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 inhabiting Darfur. Um, and from 2009 uh, until today, there is no, actually there is no estimation about the number of conflict because like every day, every month there is conflict and like most of those tribes, they got into conflict with each other. So when I look at, uh, I, I ask myself, why is this conflict in Darfur? You know, other parts in Sudan also they have the same experience, same kind, you know, of uh, of conflict, of disputes, but not uh, escalated. Uh, 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 do not escalate in the, in the same um, level as in Darfur. So, what is the problem uh, in Darfur? And what is uh, and why those people join war in Darfur? Is it just because of the needs, or is it because of really there is conflict that people don't like each other, or what is it? What is the driving driving force behind those people get into conflict? Especially that if we look at this conflict, there is always between Baghara and between, or there is an Arab tribe and there is an African tribe. Most of the time, there is Abala, you know, those who are uh, Arab, because Arab tribe in Darfur, they either Baggara, Baggara means uh, uh, cow herders, and Abala means camel herders. So they are organized along this kind of, uh, of livelihood. So, but they are all Arab tribes, most of them are Arab tribes. And that is when I come to understand that, that there is a voice, there is a belligerent voice behind the mobilization of those people to get into conflict with each other. And th that voice is very strong and it is far-reaching. Its influence is very far-reaching. Uh, far, uh, and that is the Hakamat uh, uh, women. And those Hakamat women, uh, unfortunately, uh, um, during all the processes of negotiation, peace negotiation, reconciliation, whatever discussion about conflict, they are not mentioned not at local level, at village level, and not at regional level when these initiatives have been taken, uh, peace initiatives have been taken uh, uh, by, uh, uh, by regional uh, uh, actors. So this is a hakamat. So when I come to understand who are these hakamat, yes, we know that those hakamat, they are mainly women who are poets, means they are very good in you know, poetry and they are very skillful, skillful in all uh, activities that is, uh, you know, um, recognized as, uh, as women activities. They are singers, 
very good singers, have very nice voice, and they are the spokesperson of their tribe. So whenever they come and say anything, that means what they say is considered as the voice of the tribe. Uh, no matter if the tribe really agree or not, but whenever they come and say anything that is, uh, is about the tribe, and they are very charismatic and they have authority, you know, they are legitimized by the, uh, uh, by the social organization system of their tribes, they are they have the, uh, the authority of arbitration uh, and, and authority of, you know, of acting, and people just follow them. So who are those Hakamat? And what is the process of their construction? And why are they uh, there? And uh, what are uh, their means of influencing people? And how do people react uh, uh, to them? So to understand this Hakamat, we need to have like a, a uh, a quick understanding or grasp about the context in Darfur. And this context on Darfur is about three, if, uh, as I can see it, is that we need to understand about the ethnic context of Darfur, we need to understand about the administration or administrative system in Darfur, and we need to know also ab uh, 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 about the gender poor relations that prevail uh, in Darfur for hundreds of years. So when we come and look at the ethnicity, and therefore, then they are the Arab, uh, uh, actually, the Africans are the founders of the state of Darfur. Darfur itself con uh, consists of two words, Dar and For. So Dar is the homeland, and For is the, for, is the tribe. So the tribe that is called For is the founder of this homeland. So it is the homeland of Four people. That is the meaning of Darfur. And uh, so they are indigenous Africans, and they have founded this state, but they are also uh, uh, hospitable to other people from different tribes, especially for Arab tribes, because other people who come from different areas or countries from uh, Africa, they just become Africans, and you know, uh, uh, they just become attached to their ethnicity. And those Africans and Arabs uh, are connected together um, through the livelihood system. So the four Arab and the Africans are mainly sedentary uh, uh, communities. They are stable communities who are good in farming and you know, who know how to farm and things like that. But still, they also practice some kind of animal husbandry. While the Arab people, they are most of them immigrants and they move from north and south uh, in search uh, during you know, uh, uh, seasonal, uh, 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 different seasonal periods. They move in search for um, water and pasture for their herds. But they are connected, you know, so exchange of farm products and animal products. So, uh, but they live um, in, uh, uh, peacefully uh, with each other, uh, but they also get into conflict, you know, from time to time. Al-Hakamat uh, uh, belong to the Arab, they affiliate to the Arab tribes. Okay, so that is okay. This is the uh, context that ethnic context of Darfur, and there is no problem. Um, so when we come to understand the administration or the administrative system of Darfur during this, uh, for more than 400 years of time, how those people exist together. The administration here is about uh, how the state is, uh, was managed uh, from the uh, 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 from uh, uh, the upper, uh, uh, from the top of the hierarchical uh, system, and what is the relationship between people uh, who belong to different uh, tribes, and what is the relationship between the people and the land of Darfur? 
So this is uh, the administration has these three dimensions. So here we have those, uh, the sultan on the top, and this is the structure here is about people. This side here is about the people. So there is another level of administration, which is the Mingawi, is just like uh, uh, the commissioner, the main commissioner. And uh, then under him, it comes uh, the tribes. So tribes here, the Arab tribes, are uh, supervised or by the main supreme leader, who is the Nazir, and for the Africans is the Shartai. And here comes the tribes. These tribes um, have their dars, or the state, uh, uh, the sultanate or the administration um, offers, uh, always offers those people their own piece of land. So if your tribe is, uh, say, uh, this is a uh, uh, joint tribe, then you have, uh, you are offered a place or a piece of land which is called joint dar. And this joint dar, that means all the people who belong to that tribe, they come under this dar and they will be managed under the, super, the main uh, leader who is called the Nazir or Shirtai. So that is tribes have this you know, piece of land. They were managed through uh, allocation of a specific uh, piece of land. And that's why tribes is, or a tribe is a piece of uh, a unit of administration. So all those tribes, they are distributed uh, like this tribe, this tribe, you know, different lands, different tribes have their own lands. And all those tribes, they are connected together uh, to uh, 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 from the bottom to uh, the uh, top level of the, of the state. So it was very smooth. On the other side, there are other dignitaries that the state also um, uh, used to uh, maintain law and order and, you know, uh, manage the affairs of people. And, and on that side, women here, these are the women here, this pink one, this is a representation of women. Here these are called uh, Mayrams or these are princesses. And this princess, this they um, at the royal level. Every princess has the authority and has the power uh, of decision making, and they are represented at the highest uh, uh, level of the sultanate. And the other uh, uh, group uh, of women group also they are, who are represented at the state level is the habobas or the grandmas. So all the grandmas as the royal family they have their position at that level, and those women. Uh, some of them have their own titles, just like in Africa, they are Iyabasi, and they are the queen mother, and there is uh, the, the wife. So different uh, names of people, uh, of uh, uh, different positions have different names and different titles. And uh, whenever there is problem, uh, uh, you know, to happen between those tribes, then the state have their own um, power. They have their own army, and this army, they can, you know, come to put the situation or resolve the problem if the people uh, failed, you know, to, uh, to resolve these problems. So it was a very well structured, and it was a very effective organization uh, uh, that managed people's life and relationship. Okay, when we come and look at the gender-poor relations in Darfur, it was managed by two, or it was dictated by two main forces. The force of culture, and that is the culture. It was really very loose in terms of demarcation uh, between the private and public domain, and between the disease, you know, and the kind of you know, sexuality and gender division of labor is very loose. So that also contributed to 
that women to have that kind, you know, of uh, of, of of enabling environment um, uh, for them to build their own character, to have the capacity to do things, and because people believe in them, and uh, despite the fact that the state was actually converted into Islam, but uh, the culture. Uh, 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 and the social life, it, it has no any relevance with Islam, because it's just you know what was going on before they uh, become uh, uh, you know they convert. Then that was the the, the the situation. So women are not dictated you know to wear like this or to wear like that. And women movement is not uh, uh, forbidden and not restricted. They can move day and night, go wherever they go. And even in the dress, the dress, you know, it's just usually that during that Islamic state that until now in some parts of Darfur you can find women who just tie their, uh, their waist and they just go uncovered, all the top uncovered. And this is in mountainous areas. And uh, so that is the culture. And the other part or the other force that also dictated or that, that uh, you know, promoted that gender environment is about this, uh, the, um, uh, the state policy and attitudes. And, uh, and the state policy attitudes is about uh, here the political economy uh, of the state. Uh, the approach of the state is was just accommodating to women, and there is no segregation, and there is no gender, you know, like uh, discrimination. So women have equal access to all the resources in the state. They have uh, equal access to go to court. They have equal access to voice or to make their voice uh, heard, and everything. And the most important thing is about the multiculturalism in the state. This multiculturalism is really the state because the state, it was a very big piece of land, therefore almost 500,000 uh, 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 kilometers, like size of France. And the people, uh, um, you know, it's not the population is very small. So the state was really welcoming people to come from outside and by multiculturalism attitudes of the state, then enabling people to, uh, 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 to practice their own uh, 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 cultural uh, uh, values and or uh, to maintain their uniqueness, uh, cultural uniqueness. And this multiculturalism is the thing that helped tribes, you know, to have their own privacy and to have their own cultural at, uh, attributes maintained. And this is what contributed to the Hakkamat, that this conducive environment for al-Hakkamat, that they continue to exercise whatever uh, uh, as, uh, as, uh, as, you know, um, uh, believed or as uh, legitimized by the community. So here at Hakkamat, here we come and see those Hakkamat, okay. So that is multiculturalism which enable al-Hakkamat. So what do those Hakkamat do within their tribes? They have certain roles and obligations and they have duties. and. They have three targets in the community. They have the, one of the, their targets is the children and youngsters. They target children and youngsters through socialization and indoctrination. And then this is right and this is not right. If any so one of them, a girl or a boy, uh, anyone does something bad, then they can just come and interfere. And they target men and horsemen. Horsemen, this uh, is like the, the, the fighters. Those are the men who get uh, uh, ride horses and they go and fight. So the men and horsemen also they are subject to al-hakamats. So uh, uh, mobilization, if there is anything uh, that needs their support or their work or efforts, you know, men to come and to do like building a school or building a mosque or you know uh, farming, uh, harvesting or weeding, 
uh, any person's uh, farm. So the Hakamad also uh, target those men uh, and to, um, uh, undertake this mobilization. And the third thing is about women. Uh, that this is the third target for the Hakamad. That is mobilization and support. So they mobilize women and they get support from women and also, you know, vice versa. So these are the three categories or the three levels of uh, the targets for the Hakamat in the society. It's just like the whole society. The whole society is dictated by those Hakamat. So, um, and that's why it is not uh, something individual. It's not like something different, you know, um, uh, uh, are not separable from each other. It's just like one component. So that is what al-Hakama do. Uh, uh, uh. The other thing is that what do they do, um, those Hakama? How do they undertake uh, or carry out their responsibility? It's just through songs, recitations, speech, and you know, symbolic acts, and you know, what, what, any means. It's not only about songs or about, uh, 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 or about poetry. So the main uh, uh, objective, why is that? Because the main objective of Hakama is so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's twofold. One is to ensure that the culture of the tribe is maintained, that the tribe has their own culture, and that is about, you know, here it's about ethnicity. It's about, uh, you know, we and you. So this is we, this is how we look like, and we are different from you. So just to maintain that kind of uh, differentiation. And the other thing is about the geographical boundaries. So they have to ensure that the geographical boundaries, these dars of tribes, they have to ensure that this dar is well maintained and it is secure. No, nobody is allowed you know, to come and to uh, do any kind of sabotage. Or, and that is about the dignity. So hakamat are you know, obliged you know, to, um, uh, to maintain that dignity of the tribes. Um, and uh, and uh, for the in, for cultural thing, um, uh, sometimes you know they just if you did something good, she would come and you know tell all the people, and she can come and recite and praise you, so that people know that this behavior is good, and then they follow you. But at the same, so she can you know make your reputation, but she can also break your reputation if you did something bad. Then she can also go and you know announce that, and you know uh, sing, uh, 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 through anything, whether through uh, uh, symbolic arts or through uh, poetry or songs or speech, or sometimes she can just do any kind of behavior and to understand um, uh, uh, people will understand what is going on. Um, also, for instance, here uh, sometimes symbolically they do uh, they say things just, just to help people, you know, to replicate and like here. She, one of them says, the people named you Gassim, I call you the talented. You who every morning writes on saddles, the provider of dinner for guests in hard times, the resolver of men's disputes. If Ak shouted, is shouted, you are the saddle rider. So it's just all is about three values in the society. It's about generosity, you have to be generous. Man or a woman, you have to be generous. And it's about bravery. You have to be brave, and you have to be standing by, and you be to be ready to fight. And the third one is about good behavior. You have to behave well and to be a good model for the people. And uh, so, and uh, about uh, uh, with regard to the geographical boundaries, then al-Hakamat is just about you know about their own identity, maintaining that identity. So sometimes. In diff uh, uh, on different situations, they have different kind of speech and different kinds of uh, 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 
and different uh, uh, kind of speech and different kind of expression and articulation. So they can warn enemies and they can, you know, tell them here, for instance, that they are the ones, they are, she is talking about themselves, they are the ones who make your woman, uh, your woman griefs. So that just beware that our men can go and kill your, uh, your, your men and then make your woman and griefs. Here also it can inciting, uh, incite people to go and, uh, and do whatever and can disdain other people, you know, that you are nothing. And uh, they can also push for retribution. And this is, for instance, here, one of those hakamat in the 1990s, she pushed her uh, brother and she told by, by, uh, 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 in a dispute, uh, a very wide, uh, you know, uh, scale uh, uh, kind of dispute. And she, she tells him that, oh, you, the solid armor, the, the spoon of poison, um, how many of these pests would you kill for me? So she, like, inciting her brother to go and kill. And her brother died in the end you know, because he was trying, you know, just to fulfill the hakamat. So in normal times, so that is when at certain occasions or sometimes on different or, or on specific uh, incidents. But uh, in normal times, al-hakamat always they like the men. They don't like men just to sit and gossip and, you know, uh, have entertainment, go to parties. No, they have to maintain that, uh, that spirit of fighting. So any tranquility is not accepted, especially if it's become long. The hakama, they have to come uh, to go and to incite people to be ready for aggression. And this one is one of the very famous uh, uh, verse of al-Hakamat, that who, who has this, I will buy it from them for a lactating cow. So just like she's inciting people that this is uh, people are not doing so. So she, you go, she goes around and asks people who has this, I will buy it from him by a lactating cow. And lactating cow is a very precious asset for especially for women, because it gives, you know, income and uh, product, uh, milk product, and, you know, kind of socialization and kind of prestige. But Al-Hakama, Al-Hakama is ready to give up that one, to give it out and uh, 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 to trade that uh, cow for a problem. Uh, uh, so that means, it symbolically means now get in any trouble, even you can go and attack other tribes just to uh, make sure uh, that uh, uh, you know the voice of Hakamat. It uh, uh, has uh, has you know reach um, those people. So if you look at the conflicts that involved al Hakamat since the 19 uh, late 1960s until 2006, almost all the conflict in Darfur between tribes is involved al Hakamat. This is not to mention just the conflict that has been uh, going on since 2003, where al Hakamat become part and parcel of the mobilization uh, uh, methods of, uh, of the state. Um, this is also, um, uh, if we look also at this here, one of the hakamat, it says that my horsemen, my horsemen march away, never fear this. Oh, share the death on your horse backs. Die for your dignity, brave sons will be born after you. The gun hits and with spears they stop. And here they say that, oh, the day you go out in hundreds, only 50 return. So they know that this is their influence. Their influence can cost really uh, be very high cost uh, for the community, but they don't care. And because it's all, it's all about this and about killing and about these things. Uh, this is how those hakamat influence those people. And you know, this hakama and uh, uh, so this is one of the hakamat and 
um, she is just singing. If you look at this picture, this is this voice song. This is how they sing. So you don't understand. I don't understand what they are saying. But everybody in that party or in that gathering, they know every they know every word that is said by al Hakama. And al Hakama, wherever there is Hakama, they are guns. They are, you know, sh uh, shooting. And, you know, all those people, it's just become a very tense environment. And people come together. So these men, these three men who are carrying, the, uh, carrying uh, uh, these uh, uh, guns, these are the Janjaweed. This is exactly the Janjaweed, how the Janjaweed look like. They have this kind, you know, they tie their hair like that. And the other uh, men uh, from far there, trying also to come near to al-Hakamat. And that is how al-Hakamat, uh, you know, incite uh, the Janjaweed and to go and to commit whatever atrocities that they can. Now, how those Hakamat develop into this, into this formidable character? How, what is the trajectory, um, uh, their trajectory? And how they started, uh, 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 and what are the processes involved in developing their character? So they started at aspiring girls, just little girls go and sing, very interested in singing, and they develop the hobby of, uh, of singing. And then after a while, and they get support from their peers, you know, their peers. And then after a while, like I like say, sometimes it takes like 10 years before they develop into madahakamat. Al-madahakamat means they become very good in singing and they become singers and dancers, just like the hakama we have just seen in that picture. And from that, haka, among the Mada Hakamat, because uh, they might be um, um, like uh, 30 Mada Hakamat, but for, uh, and they are all Hakamat, and they have all the power of uh, 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 legitimate, uh, you know, exercise of, uh, of power and, 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 and authority and things. But from among those Mada Hakamat comes the most formidable and the most dangerous Hakama. This is Hakama, which is called Al Khil Hakamat. And this Hakhil Hakamat is not is selected from among the Mada Hakamat, the most powerful, the most charismatic. And this is the Hakama who become a very closely uh, 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 connected with the military organization of, uh, of the Baggara tribe. So this Hakama, if we can see, is called Khil Hakama. And this Khil Hakama, which is horse Hakama, that is the Hakama who is really attached to the horsemen. The horsemen are the men who go and fight. And this is how she looks like. The nomination and election of this uh, uh, Hakama is uh, uh, supervised by, by the Agit. Uh, uh, and the Agit here is the military, the general uh, of, uh, of the tribal um, uh, institution, uh, the tribal military institution. So that tribal military institution supervise the uh, appointment or the nomination of this Hakama from among the Hakamat. And when she is nominated, um, then she is given this stick, stuff like a stick, and uh, you know, adorned with some uh, beads or uh, ornaments or whatever. And then she uses this, um, uh, and it is made of giraffe tail. It's not just a stick, any stick. It has also something symbolic meaning. You know, embodied in uh, in this, embodied in this uh, state. So, if she, um, uh, the horsemen, want to go out, you know, for fighting, for attacking, for raiding villages, for whatever, then if she comes out and then she just uh, 
wave, uh, if she waves that stick, then they have to, they have to wait. And if she asks them, just go back, they have to go back. And if she go and, you know, goes and find some people and they say, go today, you have to go and do that, then they have to follow her. And she is even more influential than the military leader. She has actually, she has authority over the military leader or the agate of uh, of, uh, of uh, So that is, you know, the, an explanation of um, uh, of al-Hakamat uh, 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 and their power in mobilization. They have a very strong voice, and that is why the government, when they realize in uh, this na uh, national Islamic uh, front-led government, when they took the power, uh, from uh, uh, that uh, democratically elected government in 1989 through a coup, then they realized for the first time they understand that there is something called hakamat in Darfur. And that's why they use them, those hakamat, mobilize all the hakamat from rural Darfur, and they brought them together in an organization called the Union of Hakamat, and, uh, and, uh, and they use them. They also, they just subjected them and they put them in the spotlight uh, through the television and the uh, radio, which is owned in Sudan by the government. And then they broadcast, they use them to broadcast messages to the rural areas because in rural areas, everybody has a radio and they like to listen to their hakamat and they follow their hakamat. So hakamat contributed to the mobilization of those people you know, the Baggara people and the Apala or the Arab people. So, um, uh, and, and the government also takes this Hakamat to the battlefield in South Sudan, in Juba, in uh, 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 Marid, and in different areas just to talk to the soldiers and to enthuse <coughs> them and, you know, just to encourage them and to, uh, 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 to stay put and, you know, not to come back with, uh, with victory. So that is what happened and also to mobilize women donations. And so that is Hakamat, and the main uh, place of those Hakamat is South Darfur. And in North Darfur also, part of North Darfur also is inhibited by Arab people, which is the Abala people. If we have a quick look at the number of people who died in the civil war in South Sudan, in the first 10 years of this government, that is, you know, the beginning of the, uh, uh, when this war, you know, this government, when they come, they declare the war in South Sudan, that civil war, uh, they declare it as a holy war, as a, uh, as a jihadi war, as a war between Muslim and Christian, and between Arab and between Africans. And they mobilize people based on these two uh, uh, concepts. Al-Hakamat, because they belong to the Arab, and because they, uh, 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 they are Muslims, so these are the main thing, you know, these are the messages that communicated to the Hakamat and to the group, to the, uh, those Arab people. So now all oh, these Africans are going to come and to, to take our land. So we have to, uh, to stop them. And Al-Hakamat brought and, and used in that mobilization. And so when we look at the number of people who died from South Darfur, it is one South, it's almost 2,000 in 10 years. And in North Darfur, it's almost, it's like 1,000. And in South and North Darfur, it's almost 50%, more than 50% of the total number of people who died in war, uh, in the civil war in, 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 in South Sudan. Uh, so that is, you know, the force of al-Hakamat, 
uh, this is just my argument, is that this must be the effect and the influence of those hakamat, you know, and how people... Uh, uh, in 2014, the government is still, you know, even though there have been some attempts for reconciliation and peace uh, resettlement in Darfur, but it's still, because now South Sudan is finished, uh, they get, uh, they go, uh, people uh, choose to go for their own state, and, but still there is therefore insurgencies, and they have also to, to continue to mobilize people against those uh, insurgencies. And there are also other insurgencies in other parts of Sudan uh, uh, that is not considered as, as Arab uh, uh, part of Sudan, that is the African part. So they have to keep maintaining that relationship and that belligerent voice of Al-Hakamat. And this is what happened in 2014, that is, this is the celebration, a formal festival to celebrate the role of al-Hakamat by those officials. So these are the officials here, and all these are Hakamat, and those Hakamat, all of them from South Darfur. But the festival was in Al-Fashir, which was in North Darfur. And if we look at this Hakama, which is a Khil Hakama, then from what she look, she is really doesn't care about what the government say about you have to cover your hair, you have to, lo to wear long sleeve. You know, this indoctrination kind of, uh, of, uh, of, of things and for uh, uh, instructions. So this is ha this Hakama, she is just, you know, uh, uh, exercising her own choices of uh, what to do and what to be. Uh, so those women, why are these women or why those women are not involved in peace processes in, in Darfur or in Sudan? They have that very strong voice and influence. Why those women are not? Or, or the question maybe the other way. Are they involved? Have they been involved? And, uh, and when I ask that question, yes, that is the role of their doves. Uh, have they been doves at any point in their history in Darfur? Then when we look at the peace uh, forums in Darfur, there are three kinds of forums. There is the Ajawit Council. This is the local council of elderly people who are well versed in, you know, the uh, social issues and they know everything. And there is a, a government sponsored uh, Judea. This government sponsored Judea means the process of reconciliation. Uh, uh, and, and this government sponsored Judea was introduced to spoil that Ajawit Council, which is the elderly council, because it has brought people from outside the area who do not know anything about Darfur. And it's just to influence the direction of the negotiation to, uh, to serve the interests of the government. And the third one is this regional uh, engagement, you know, uh, in Libya and Abuja and uh, Qatar and uh, uh, Chad and, you know, all these kind of processes. In all these forums, whether local, regional, or um, uh, national, there is Nahakamad or not. The actually the profile of women uh, engagement in these uh, uh, forums is very low, very low profile. And al-Hakamat are not existing at all. This is the situation of al-Hakamat. They are just engaged, you know. And you know, they just look like that. They want to know what is going on. And uh, so why they are isolated? People think different, you know, they have, uh, 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 
uh, uh, they draw different justifications. They put different justifications to why, uh, including the government people, you know, government officials, you know, that because the hakamat are like skills and they are not educated, they are illiterate, and because uh, this uh, problem of uh, masculinity and sexuality and public and private, and because of the negative uh, implications of uh, of al hakamat, uh, that al hakamat. When they come to the um, to these forums, then they uh, they become very emotional because the language of negotiation is very strong. So hakamat might not be um, uh, reliable, you know, or might not be uh, they cannot be trusted that they are going to withstand this language. They can just react and start singing and start you know doing this kind of uh, creating troubles. Or maybe uh, some of the, those people who have their uh, 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 you know of the participants and uh, uh, um, who are party in the conflict, um, they might recall what the hakamat have uh, have uh, you know had um, uh, contributed. Uh, to uh, especially in killing people and so that might also uh, create that kind of uh, spoil the environment or might be the hakamat themselves are not might not be interested to uh, 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 for this negotiation um, so that is why they the justification that people uh, put in uh, uh, that hakamat are not qualified uh, uh, and because they don't know any negotiations, they don't have any negotiation skills. So it is better just to uh, disengage them and to isolate them from this. But al-Hakamat, so many incidents in Darfur about uh, their, their isolation. Al-Hakamat are not happy about being isolated. And in many incidents, then uh, immediately after the agreements, al-Hakamat, just because they are not involved, in these processes of peace and reconciliation, they just go and incite the men and the young men to go and to attack. So there is no, uh, um, uh, 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 there haven't been any kind of peace agreements between these tribes that has uh, uh, lasted for more than two or three months, sometimes even one month, sometimes just a week, sometimes immediately after the negotiation. That the negotiation finished, and before when the people come out, the participants, then they will just uh, become surprised that already the attack, another attack has been committed just because of al hakamat And still, they don't, you know, realize or they don't want to get the hakamat engaged. Not the government, neither the, uh, the tribes in Darfur, because they have their interest in maintaining that belligerent voice of al-Hakamat. So when we look at the Hakamat, especially with regard to peace and reconciliation, then we see the intersection of this kind of identity of al-Hakamat. And this identity is a personal identity and the social social identity is that they belong to those tribes, uh, Arab tribes, and the social uh, personal identities about their own qualities that they have the capacity and they have uh, to develop uh, uh, certain skills and qualities and uh, their agency they have the agency and they are you know because it is just something that they socialize themselves and they build this kind of skills on themselves since they are very young so they become very powerful and have the agency they are very confident in what they say and they don't do uh, make any compromises and the power they have. So all this intersection of all these attributes is just contribute to their political influence. That they have the, uh, the people that who in Sudan maybe uh, uh, in, in Darfur, sorry, uh, who have 
really um, that kind of influence beyond any doubt is those hakamat and their influence in, in public. So when we look at this and we look at this just, uh, justification drawn by those people about their disengagement uh, in peace, it's just like something difficult, you know, to, uh, to, to, to accept. So that is one of, uh, of the... So um, the narrative of uh, this group of al-Hakamat, I hope really I've been able to, you know, something uh, highlight some of these main issues, that this narrative of group presented in the book suggests that these are women of great agency, authority, and influence. They have these, you know, um, uh, three aspects of, uh, of, uh, of, of power and, uh, and uh, these uh, qualities. This has been proven at peace times and adversity, including wars. Their actions may not necessarily be pleasant, but their effect has been shown to be formidable and lasting. Although governments have solicited their help in the pursuit of civil wars, they were unable to uh, or, or reluctant to meaningfully involve them in the pursuit of peace. So still they are away from these processes. Uh, more fundamentally, those women, they realize their experience need to be taken on board and, you know, uh, and to, uh, 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 in the processes of, of peace if really there is like a, a kind of a goodwill in, um, in, 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 uh, in making peace, in, uh, not in Darfur, but, uh, but in Sudan. And that is the conclusion of our presentation. And uh, this is uh, what uh, 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 just a small part of the book. And I also took this uh, opportunity to thank uh, Jacqueline and Lynn, uh, the publishers, James Curry, uh, for their guidance, you know, for making this book really see light. And thanks uh, very much uh, to all of them. Um, some of, uh, there are some people who have read the book and uh, they just, uh, if uh, uh, I can just uh, give you uh, an example of... Uh, hey, also of, my uh, name is Jess Gifkins. I'm a lecturer in international relations at the University of Manchester. Uh, I recently read um, Saud Musa's uh, very interesting book um, on the Al-Hakamat um, women in Darfur. Um, she tells a really amazing story about the uh, political power that these women hold in within the social fabric of of, um, of society in Darfur, and the ways in which um, their their political role and their social role has um, intersected with the, the conflict in Darfur. Um, so I guess in in international relations literature, often we think about um, women as as victims of of, um, of conflict and violent conflict and. Um, this tells a really different story about the agency that these women hold within the conflict and the ways in which they're, in some instances, perpetuating conflict and actually advocating violence um, and, and retribution against other groups. Um, so it's a really, really interesting book and a really um, insightful account of, of, um, you know, of uh, social um, uh, society in Darfur and, and, um, and the role that these women play. I think it'd be really useful for... Um, for people who are looking at the Women, Peace and Security Agenda in the United Nations, um, for people who are looking at um, a conflict in, in, in Africa, for people who are looking at the role of women. Uh, so, yeah, highly highly recommend this book and, um, yeah, enjoy your seminar. Okay, thank you very much.